Mr. Devil here, Kenny Danico, three-time Stanley Cup champion of the New Jersey Devils. And you're listening to the Uncle Puckers New Jersey Devils podcast with Chris, Dan, Bobby, and Tony, the Uncle Puckers. Let's go, Devils! Well, we are the Uncle Puckers, except it's no Bobby today. Just Dan, Tony, and myself, Chris. Um, how are you guys doing today? Good In these night, hot ass dog days of summer. It's a hot, humid one today in New Jersey. It sure is, you know. 66 here. <laughs> 66. 66. Does it ever get hot in Lithuania? Like, if it's not now, when is it? I think it was like uh, 85. It was almost 90 like a couple weeks ago. We only had like really two hot days this year, so. Wow. But it's like this, our winter, our summers are beautiful. The winters are what gets you, so. Yeah. The rest yeah. of this week is supposed to be brutal hot, like the the high 90s starting tomorrow, and then I think it's supposed to drop like almost 100 on Saturday and then drop to 80 on Sunday. So. Yeah. We'll see if we get this in without losing power because they said we're under thunderstorm morning. So my, uh, my wife is coming home from work, and she said it. They got she got hammered. I mean, she said She's the drunk? storm was fucking brutal. She's <laughs> oh, so I thought drunk. you meant she She's was driving. drunk. Yeah, she's uh, she should drunk like drive. I, I expect wrong. better from her. I tell her all the time. She doesn't listen. Yeah, well. she's a fucking. You know, it, it's really, <laughs> don't tell me how to drive, Mister. You know, she fucking scratch you with the keys. Get the fuck away! From I'll you. tell you when I've had enough. <laughs> right, well, that's just my <laughs> that's house. Yeah, I'm still no, gonna go out, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they now she said that the storm was really bad. So yeah, it's uh, it's coming. So hopefully we don't lose power. That would really suck. Yeah, you know, I was actually showing my wife. I think it was yesterday. We were watching uh, on YouTube some footage of like Seaside, but for like two weeks ago, someone had filmed themselves walking up and down the boardwalk. That place is—I mean, it's just changed so much. Because I was there like so last time I was there right before Sandy. I was like a, I think about a month. Yeah, before was, I was there, um, and then I left so. back to Florida. But I mean, man, it's crazy. I never saw like like the sawmill. Yeah. Well, Sandy, like, yeah, saw- demolished a lot of stuff. Yeah, it was, it was, some of it was rebuilt, and then we had. The, fire, the magical fire, right fire which yeah. was, of course, some kind of insurance job. I'm, I'm assuming they're like, "Hey, the Sandy thing is kind of working out for us. Let's have a fire on top of it." Or it was maybe it was a legit fire. I don't know. Uh, I'm a legitimate if it businessman. Was one, if it was one person that decided that they were going to try to do that little uh, fire thing uh, for insurance money, it, it didn't work because well, it might have worked for them, but it also took out you know half of the fucking boardwalk. Yeah, like the entire it, south side of that pier went up like a fucking matchbook, man. Yeah, it was. They uh, never did quite put all the stuff back on that street side of it. You know, it's kind of no. open, or or they have like weird shit. Like, what is it? Like a splash area? It looks like a, a theme park more than seaside. It's not. To. It's. I mean, they're trying to make it more family now. I mean, yeah, even yeah. a lot of these bars, like I. I I, some people that where I work, they said they were down there. Like, like bring your at, kids like, to the bar now. Ten o'clock at night on the boardwalk, and like half the bars were closed. Um, oh you know? yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. It's kind of true all over. Uh, my, my wife and I were talking about this a lot. Like pay, places around here don't stay open as late as like when you were here, Tony. You know, like things were o- everything curfew. open to like two and stuff. No anymore. Just, not anymore. I just saw they put a curfew for people in Seaside and Ortley Beach for. Uh, it was for people 18 and under by 10 o'clock at night. Because we have it here. There's been problems, they said, I guess, on the boardwalk the last... Like, we've, had, we've, oh. had a curfew. we've had a curfew here for years. I think now. at the really? boardwalk, they had, like, uh, like one of those, like, I don't know, if something gets on social media that some so, so-and-so is going to be here, and then 
everybody Can't floods in. Fucking flash mobs. It's kind of like a flash mob situation, but um, you know what? Even apart from that, Tony, like the young people, they don't go out to the bars to hang out anymore. Like not the same way we did. It's just you know weird. They go and they had, they meet up other ways, you know. And you know, I noticed you guys. I mean, you guys would know better than me now because when I went back there, you know, I was younger when I was there working on that place in, the, in those areas, yeah. and I always thought the pizza was really killer on the boardwalk, right? And I went back, and I was like, right. man, maybe you know, the boardwalk pizza isn't the best. You know, I mean, no. uh, I mean, Chris, you're a pizza guy. What's the best? Like in Tom's River area, what would you say is the best pizza around there? This is a very highly. Domino's, oh my God! Domino's. Domino's. He Domino's always says this. They had a Domino's in Poland. <laughs> this I is. I always he always say says this. this. I've heard him say this to people before. Now, anybody that knows Chris would know that this is a ridiculous answer from a guy who knows what he's talking about on the subject. He's it's a like scissor. it's like a car it's, guy telling you like the best car ever is a Yugo or something. Like it's it's not true. But there's a reason that I will always go and say it's Domino's. It's to fuck with okay? people, I think. I mean, to it's mess not with to people. fuck with people. No? I'll tell you what it is. Domino's is on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best pizza you ever ate, 1 being complete and total dog shit. Domino's is a solid 5. It's right in the middle. It's it's not unethical. I know what you're going to say. You respect their consistency. Is that what you're saying? That's the key. Because I'll go to a pizzeria uh, and I'll get a fucking pie and it's outstanding. And I'm like, this is a fucking really good pie. And then this, on next week I'll get it and I, it's unedible. What are you paying and for a happens, pie now, Chris? What? What are you paying for a pie now there? Oh, God. It's probably, a regular plain pie, probably like around 17, 18 bucks. Yeah, unless it's on special. I mean, at the I know the sawmill. I think they charge something like like almost thirty dollars for one of their large pies now. Yeah. Um, but and when I worked there way back in the day, it was uh, ten dollars for a large plain pie with a free pitcher of soda. Dollar yeah. twenty with it. And, and if you got a slice, it was a dollar dollar twenty five for a slice and a, with and a the, drink with the orange soda. Yeah. But, okay. So like, as far as as pizza places around sure. here, um, you know, there there's. I find that like there's a place in um, uh, Lavalette, Lenny's Pizza. They make a really good pie. I like them. Um, over on the island, though, there's not too many that I really like. All of them are like the Sawmill now, and Three Brothers is okay. Maruka's is okay. As far as like in the mainland, it, it's hit or miss, man. You get a fucking one one night it's good, one night it's bad. Kind of depends on who makes Even it. Even the consistency so thing is like I go kind of Domino's. more gradual. I understand what you're saying, but <laughs> the consistency I find is like I know what you mean, but it's over the course of months. Like a place will be good for a while, and then they yeah. like what the fuck happened? They were good for like months. What happened? And you know what happened? They, they got they changed people. They changed maybe ingredients, but something happened. Mostly, it's the people. Yeah, and that's the thing yeah. that people don't realize that the person making your pizza definitely depends on uh, the the quality of the pie. Right. Um, you know, so it's like there's times that I, I'm not going to name the place where I usually get my pie uh, up the road here, but when I walk in, there's one dude when I know he's working, pie's outstanding. Otherwise, it's good, but it's not. So Great. that's that's good. You know your place. So what do you yeah. what do you do? Do you like call him up? And be like, dude, is, is Gary there today? <laughs> it's it's hit or miss. And if I walk in and he's there to pick up, I'm happy. And, and if he's I not, you leave. If not, he's did you hear any thunder? Dan? No, I just no. heard a loud thunder. Wow. Yeah, so I think it might be coming. But I guess we'll talk a little bit uh, about our our draft show. So we did our draft. There, all of our this teams was a are actually big undertaking for us. We've never done yes. something like this. No, this is it was like, fun. It was a good time, 
But that was a lot of players we went through. I was kind of mm-hmm. like shot at the end. Was that exhausting for you guys, or is it just me? I, I agree. Yeah, I was. I was exhausted. I, was I totally. <laughs> I really appreciate Fitzgerald and any GM so much more <laughs> because I realized the second half of my team, it was like a monkey chose them. Like, like I could have done it with a dartboard. I stopped putting lines together. I didn't have players at the tips of my fingers. Right, you and me, yeah. Tony. We were like and. We, we we took forever. We're like, I don't know. Give me anybody. I can't. I can no longer think of players. I, I'm, I'm out. You know, and which we even is crazy. Did, but you were on the spot. We even, you know? we even kind of did off air a little supplemental draft because we realized that we really kind of screwed right. up at I, the end. I saw and, this, and if we were actually playing each other, I might call shenanigans on this. You guys started picking people who weren't in the fucking draft. What happened? I had to switch. No, they were in the draft. No, but, but no, no. There was a couple names. Where did you get these names from? Like, I think, Chris, you chose Bombardier? Yeah, I took Bombardier. Wait, when did you say and, Bombardier? Was that well, earlier? Reason, no, no, no. Uh, I, I said it through a, a group text. So you picked <laughs> three in a row at one point. Okay. A, at the end. I was we, just taking, we were all kind taking of advantage shot, of the and, uh, and, and, and space And it was completely, me. I listened back, it was completely my fault. I should have, <laughs> you know, knew. I was, I was writing I all down. I honestly but, felt like something was wrong, but I was and like, you were like right. whatever, you know? So you took three in a row, which then gave you the extra guy and shorted. So me I kind of win. I kind of win automatically so, on this draft. Right. So when I put my team together, I realized I was short a demon. Yeah. So I, and that's when I was texting and I was like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to take Brad Bombardier and throw him on because I just See, needed a demon. If, if this happened so, in NHL draft, I don't know if they remedied it the way you did. I think you might just be out of luck. And I think we would, but uh, it was for this exercise. We all needed full complete teams, okay. so it was allowed. But they yeah. are all up now on Twitter, so please take a look at them. Uh, team Bob, Team Tony, Team Dan, Team Chris, and let us know who had the best one so far. There's been a few comments about uh, Dan's uh, team. They like that. Tony's team was doing good. Me and Bobby, I don't think I've gotten many feedback yeah. yet. Dan, I will uh, say that my team, I'll tell you what, I, I don't want to sit here and like toot my own horn, but I liked the first half of my team. I did. I really liked it because I got so lucky getting number one pick. Building for Marty out is kind of like how I've been thinking my whole life. And yeah. so that was like, I'm really confident and happy with like the whole defense for the most part. And really two of my lines. Uh, the other two lines, I'm, I'm like, I could have done a better job because I just didn't really prepare for that. You're like Lou Lamorella's love child. Oh, yeah. Well, we look alike, you know, and that's <laughs> a, I'm very proud of that. <laughs> Me, Lou, and a couple aliens from uh, Men in Black. Now, if you go on the Twitter, you can see the uh, the teams are up there. So we have uh, my team. I'll go through uh, yes. all our lines real quick. So I got Jack Hughes, and he's centering Brendan Shanahan and Stefan Riche. Line two, Aaron Broughton, centering Jesper Bratt, John McClain. Hmm. Scotty Gomez, centering Clarkson and Yager. Dougie Gilmore, centering Cam Jansen and Grant Marshall. For the defenses, we have uh, Fatisoff and Sorelli. Green, Marino, Salvador, and Bombardier, and my goalies are Sean Burke with Chris Terreri backing him up. That's a pretty That's solid, Chris. Pretty solid. I, I like the team, but I do. I like fourth it. line, I maybe would have gone with, uh, if I could do it over again, I think I would have rather had Travis Zajac centering my fourth line mm. over Dougie Gilmore. But he wasn't um, even available to you, was he? 
I, By the time you got I, to you your took fourth Zajac, right? Yeah, I took Zajac. Yeah. Oh, you know what? So. You did get all your centers early, Chris. So I yeah, did. I wanted, yeah. I wanted to build out through. I the remember middle. that. And yeah. If you go, you know, Jack Hughes, Aaron Broughton, Scott Gomez, Doug Gilmore. That's not bad for four centers. No. And uh, Team Bobby, he's got a uh, Kirk Muller centering Taylor Hall and Zach Parisi. Mm. He's got Nico Heischer centering Timo Meyer and Brian Gianta. Wow. Bobby Holik. Centering Jeff Brian Friedman. Gianta on that line. I like that. Timo on one side, Brian on the other. That's what Bobby went with. One of them's got a really big guy. The other one's got a small guy. See, Gianta can just hide behind Meyer. Yeah. And then just pop out and score a goal. I didn't even you know he was out know. there. Yeah, he popped out of his I jersey. Like this, I like this line of Bobby's. His <laughs> okay. third line I really like. Yeah. I like Bobby Holik and centering Jeff Friesen and Jamie Langenberg. Yeah, you kind of wanted like to see them line. play together like that, you know? That I don't know cool. when they've ever played together i don't think they were ever on a line together not like that but you I know, know maybe Friesen and different... langenbrunner were together yeah for a little yeah bit. i think that's true and maybe and langenbrunner wanna... and and, and holik but i doubt it i don't know if i agree 100 percent with taking dawson mercer and moving him to his original center spot he really mm-hmm. hasn't played center a whole lot for this team in the last couple of years but bobby did he put dawson mercer in the middle on the fourth line for blake coleman and steve thomas as his wingers his defense he's got tommy albeline and Dougie Hamilton, Merrick Zidlicki, Sammy Botnin, Adam Larson, Johnny Oduya, and Corey Schneider and Keith Kincaid are his goalies. Then we move to Team hmm. Dan. Yeah, you got Adam Henrique centering Zella Pukin and Peter Sakura. I like that line. I do. I like that line. Dinah Zubris. I like this line a lot. Dinah Zubris centering Dave Andrichuk and Claude Lemieux. That's then a, he's that's a his... line you don't want to play against, man. They're going to no, hurt you. They're going to hurt you. John Madden centering with Jay Pandolfo and Billy Guerin. That's In the a, end, I kept Madden and Pandolfo together. I was I wanted to split them up at first because they always played together. Yeah, Bobby it, said you can't. He's not, you're not I know, and I hated to, <laughs> to, to, to listen to Bobby, but I thought about other things. I really tried. to. to this was like the one thing I gave a shit about. I'm like, fuck no, Bobby. I'm going to do what I want to do. And in the end, I, I, he was right, which I hate to say, uh, but Bobby was totally it, it, right. Then you have Dennis Peterson, um, who was a tough dude, with Miles Wood and uh, Christoph Oliva. It's a tough line. That line is not going to give you an easy time. No. no. Brian Rafalski, Scott Niedermeyer as your first pairing on D. Paul Martin, Lyle Odeline, second. And then you have Bruce Driver and Will Butcher. And then Dan just got one goalie because he brought Brodeur and doesn't need much more. I kind of can't, I, I can't disagree with That's that. That's it. Yeah. Then we go to Team Tony. Down the middle, line one. Jason Arnott, he's centering Patrick Eliash and Alex McGilney. Uh, I like that. You know, Eliash and Arnott have definitely had magic. Mm-hmm. Travis Zajac centering Ila Kovalchuk and Pat Verbeek. That's like, wild. I don't know what to expect from that one. Pat Verbeek is so under – his best year with the Devils, he had 46 goals, right? He, had, he almost had like – I think he had 70-something points, a shitload of penalty minutes. Pat Verbeek was a hell of a player. I mean, yes, and, he was. And Kovalchuk, yeah. as much as I can stand, you know, what what happened at the end of the day. I, Super talented. Fire, man, that son of a bitch was a game changer. Yeah, definitely. But I like how you got the mix there with the finesse and the power. And, you know, it's a pretty good line. Then you got your third lines. It's kind of a good third center in line. Brian Ralston with Sergey Breland and Tom Chorsky. And then you got Bobby Carpenter with Mike Peluso and Randy McKay. Uh, your defense is Colin White and Wallanen, well, yeah, Wallanen, and then Scott Stevens and Luke Hughes, Ken Danico and Kasatanov, and your goalies are Vanacek 
and Johan Hedberg as his backup. So those are all of our teams, 80 players, uh, all through Devils from the entire history of the Devils. We took our draft, and we tried to put the best players where we could. Um, so, yeah, definitely hop on to Twitter or the YouTube channel. Let us know exactly who's got the best team and where are we going from I am here. curious who's um, got the youngest team, who's got the oldest team when we average it out. I haven't done that yet. I haven't looked at it. But I have a feeling my team's kind of old. Tony's is kind of old. And uh, you and Bobby, your teams are a little younger than ours. I'd like to see that. Now, by the way, that doesn't factor in if you're thinking who's playing who. Cause, but what you got to ask yourself if you're thinking which team do I like better is these players at their peaks – Yes, with the Devils, not with other teams. Like, nope, with the like uh, you got a Yager, right? Yeah, you don't get Yager at his peak. You got him when he's with the Devils, exactly. right? Yep. And you know, uh, so you think about the best year that player had with the Devils, and that's how he's going to perform for you. And there's probably like a mathematical answer to this, but there's I like I'm more interested in the chemistry, the what ifs, the stuff we'll never know. Like when yep. you have this player playing with that player, would they be as successful? It's a it's a cool fun experiment. I, I, and I like that line that that Yager with Scott Gomez centering Yager and David Clarkson. But if I you have Yager in his prime, really I think Yager goes from from where you picked him to first if you had him in his prime because that the whole oh, draft sure. I was thinking, man, if you had Yager like if that was the case, like that guy has to go like number one or two. I mean, how does he not? You know. What's pretty cool about this whole thing? I got an echo now. Yeah, me too. But um, if you look at the whole thing. That's the whole point. I thought it was very cool. Is that like, you know, these players at their prime, uh, most of them were with the Devils. I mean, we don't have too many people in Yager's situation where like, oh, we, because if you were the Rangers, right, this yeah. makes a huge difference to you, doesn't it? And how many of those guys, the Rangers oh, fans, sure. would be like, oh, we had Gretzky, Gretzky. You did not have L.A. You know, if you, you did not you have Edmonton. You if you have a line together of, you know, Wayne Gretzky, Eric Lindros, and Army Yager all for the Rangers, right. it's, not that, it's a third line. It's, it's not a, a line. good line, but when they played for them, that's absolutely true. And so but I was kind of impressed that when you looked at all those players, I can't think of really another one off the top of my head. You tell me if I'm wrong, uh, that you would rather have the uh, former version of that player. Maybe Gilmore? Maybe, maybe. Definitely. I would say Gilmore was definitely, because he was only, we got him at a trade deadline. He only played that year, and I think we were bouncing like the first round, and then he just Right, but he was pretty effective that year. He was was something to watch. He was good on face-offs, yeah. You know, I'm sure it wasn't the peak of his career, though, so that's a point well taken. But we we drafted 80-something guys, right, whatever it was, and and that's amazing when you think about it. Most Devils had their peak years with the Devils. I, I mean, there, yeah, there, a lot of them did. There are a couple. Like, Joe Neuendijk was not the Joe sure. Neuendijk. That sure, that's a good one. Him. But you can go and look at a guy like Alexander McGilney, and he played great for us for yeah. the years that he was with us. I mean, he was right up there with his, you know, production-wise, with the same as when he was with Buffalo. He was yeah. definitely I got to uh, believe it. It's something to do with the Devils, too, like running their organization a little differently. Because I just can't imagine certain other teams, and I'll just throw the Rangers, like we said, but others, too. That you wouldn't be like, because they were like name changer, name changer, uh, name chasers rather. They're looking for right. the name. They're always looking for the big name. Devils didn't really work that way very often. They weren't doing that. And guys like Joe Newendike came and decided, you know what? I can play defense. I'll do whatever it takes to for the chance to win another cup. And right. it worked. Right. It worked for a guy like Joe Newendike. Guy like Dave Andrichuk. 
Yep. Dave Andrewchuk wasn't asked to do the shit that he was doing in his younger days, but you know he was more of a, a, a bottom six guy. I think he was on the third line for a lot of it, right? Yes. When he was playing with us, that's and true. And scored some huge goals for us, and won his cups. And I mean, I loved Dave Andrewchuk. Dave Andrewchuk has a statue outside of Amelie Arena in Tampa. I mean, you well, know, he has, he does has, he really? He does. He has a statue out there with the cup. I had no that's idea. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah so I, I saw an article. I wanted to actually talk about. Um, I think this is is a very kind of goes towards the draft and what we're talking about. It was a very cool article. I haven't read it all because I kind of wanted to do it with you guys. So this was written off of Pucks and Pitchforks by Jonathan Bailey. And it's five New Jersey Devil legends who would dominate today's NHL. Kind of a cool... I read this. Cool thing. Oh, you read it? Okay, so he writes here, uh, just read the beginning. The current New Jersey Devil squad is set to dominate the NHL for the next decade. Wow. But how would some of the franchise's legends fare in today's game? We take a look at five unsung heroes who would adapt best to the NHL in the present day. And he starts off, number one, Bruce Driver. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, maybe not the guy that would jump out of your first name. I was surprised you know, to see that name first. First yeah. name that would yeah. jump off. Uh, you know, so He was so huge, though. He was know. such a leader, you know, with the Devils. Yes, it, and it he really was there is. from the beginning. Uh, he joined the Devils as a 21-year-old in their second year in New Jersey in 1983. He stayed with the team until 95 when he left to go play for the fucking Rangers. Yeah, Driver spent 11 years with the New Jersey Devils, including a year as the team's captain in 91, and then Stevens took the role. Uh, Driver was once the Devils' all-time leader amongst defensemen and assists before Stevens and Niedermeyer eventually broke it. Um... And to do do, he won the cup in '95 with them. Um, but that was he writes here that he left right after. He spent three years with the Rangers, and at his best, Bruce Driver was a smooth skating defenseman with a knack for setting up plays and doing things the right way. Even as a smaller guy in his era, at six foot, Driver had three seasons when he scored 50 or more points and paved the way for the prototypical defenseman of today's NHL to be what they are. On a team that prioritized defense, Driver set the standard for what a two-way defenseman should be. Responsible and smart at both ends of the ice, that's a skill set that would dominate today. That's you guys very agree true. with that? I really do, and I'll tell you what. Until Niedermeyer, Niedermeyer joined the team, it, Driver was our scoring defenseman. Yep. Yep. You know, I mean, that, that first year, I guess Stevens was doing a little bit more scoring than he fell into as he you know, settled into like the, the role he ended up taking. But during that time, Driver was, like, if you were hoping a defenseman was going to lay the bomb in, it was Driver. You know, yeah. Niedermeyer, after a while, he probably took over that role. I think that – I agree with that. I think Bruce Driver could be a very good player in this in this NHL nowadays. Yeah. Do you agree, yeah. Tone? Yeah, I do agree. And it's funny, I was actually – when I was reading that the first thing I said when I saw his name, I was like, oh, Driver, right? right? Not the guy that you would have thought of. But he was yeah. such a good skater. You know, that's but the big right. difference on defensemen. Yeah. You want to know the truth. The big difference on defensemen. Yeah. They haven't gotten any bigger. They've gotten to be better skaters. Yep. And there's a lot of skaters who skated back then who wouldn't make today's game. But Bruce Driver was a, was a very good skater. Yeah, I was like Driver. Again, I would not have thought about it, but as soon as I read it, I was like, you know what? He's, uh, he's right. I like the Bruce Driver one. We're going to stay on defense for number two. He does say something on here that uh, it might be a little questionable, but number two he has Brian Rafalski, number okay. 28. 
Yeah. And he writes, in the first line, he says, when it comes down to it, there might not be a more underrated, underappreciated player in the history of the NHL than that's, Brian Rafalski. It's very true. That's, he lived in the shadow of Niedermeyer on a def- team known for good defensemen. It was hard to pick him out of the crowd because it's like, oh, the Devils have another great defenseman. Like, yeah, they, that's just, they did play good defense. But we As an had, individual, he was psycho good. He was amazing. We had good. great defensemen, but we really, until Rafalski came, we only had Niedermeyer that was an offensive guy that can push the puck. Right, and, and can really skate. Came in yeah. And was like, where did this, and he came in older, I think he was 27, 28 as a rookie mm-hmm. because he was playing in Europe. Correct, And he yeah. was just kind of a, a, a fucking diamond in the rough that Lou just picked out and threw this Absolutely. guy in. Absolutely. And for years, he was as solid as you can get. Yep. And fast, one of score, the best could skaters do on the team. Yes. So, yeah, so good. And he writes, uh, it's reasonable to assume that it's because that he's underrated. A, he did not play 1,000 games, and B, he didn't make his NHL debut until age 26. I said 27 or 28, but it was 26. Sure, sure. Still um, pretty late. Yeah, I mean, Brian Rafalski received Norris Trophy votes six times in his career, but never came away with the prestigious award. Instead, Rafalski can take solace in his three Stanley Cup triumphs, two yep. of which came with the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, he was with the Redskins. Redskins, Red the Red Wings. Red Wings. Uh, but so he's he's the the number two on here. Yeah, that's uh, a very good number two. I I totally agree with that. All right, so his number thir- three one, Johnny Mack. He oh. has John McClain on this list. Okay. It says John McClain faded into hockey obscurity after a failed stint as New Jersey Devils head coach. Among other things, but New Jersey Devil fans remember McLean, McLean as the team's first elite player who helped bring the franchise into relevancy. We all will always remember the goal against uh, Darren Pang and, Buff- and, and Chicago in 1988, a game the yeah. Devils had to win to make the playoffs. Make the playoffs, yeah. And uh, McLean scored in overtime to Huge give goal. the Devils a win. To this in day, time, if you go to like the greatest calls ever, if you yes, just if you're yeah, just learning the Devils was, now. Go to YouTube and look for the greatest moments from the Devils. That's one of them. I mean, they—that's how they first made the playoffs. You know, like Chris said, that was a half. You couldn't even get. You couldn't tie it. You had to win that game. They had yes. to. Yeah. yeah. If they tie, they're out of the playoffs. It was, yeah. it was so dramatic. It was as close as you get to like being in the Stanley Cup Finals, not being in the playoffs. It was the biggest regular season game the Devils maybe have ever been in. Absolutely true. It was up to that time. It was the biggest game and the yeah. biggest win. And yeah. it was all on the stick of McLean. Um, and it says here, at the peak of his abilities, McLean scored 40 goals in three consecutive seasons uh, from 88 to 91. Mm. He was a mark- remarkably consistent finisher during his career, scoring 20 or more goals a whopping 11 times. Um, McLean also s- twice received Selkie votes in 95 and 96. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, he was a, a guy who was a, a right winger who can score goals, but he was so responsible defensively. He was a smart, smart player. Yeah. Um, He's another and guy. the first guy that got the cup in 95 after yeah. Stevens, right? He handed it to Sure. Yeah. yeah. And you he, forget he a, that he scored 400 goals this guy. I mean, I kind of forget this sometimes with Johnny Mack, you know? I mean, but, yeah, I was. Super steady presence for the yeah. Devils, a real leader, too. Yeah, and I think he would flourish in this in this NHL. I really do. He was yeah. A fast I, I love his type of player. It's to me, it's like the classic player. Like the guy's got a great nose around the net. He's smart. He's got just the right amount of skill to both look smooth and score. 
Like he doesn't do the psycho crazy goals like some guy. Like he's not a Trevor Zegras or something. Like you know, right. like like he doesn't s- score those kind of insane deke goals. He never did, but he had like that hockey goal scorers, uh, you know, sensibility. That's where his goals went. It had a certain amount of style to it, and that was that was very cool. I mean, McLean was awesome on the team. He was one of those yeah. faces back then, right? Your Danicos, your McLeans. Like he was one of those guys that we had in the night. Yeah, today's the game though. I'll tell you what, man. I, I think that type of player is less favored as they, and I think it's to the worst of a league. To, to be honest with you, I think they're looking for players with who are like super snipers and or uh, you know more of a deking type player, like from the young ages up. So of course, no, like I'm not saying the Devils are like we're only taking super. I'm just saying that's how the players are growing up today, and that was not Johnny Mac's game. Johnny Mac had a more of a fluid style. I I like it more to like the way Riche was. Uh, a player, I like that fluid style, but I feel like it's almost on decline in today's NHL. So I wonder if he would have played. That's what's interesting. Like we say, those guys would be good now, but would they actually be like? Would they be able to fit in now? Because right, because be there are fashions out there of styles of play that come and go that a player may not be suited for, and you just got unlucky. Like you might be that kind of fluid player, like Johnny Mack, and you don't make it to the pros today because it's just not exactly what they're looking for. They want more of these like. They, they do everything by metrics now. So they want, they measure players like zero to ten feet metric, like football kind of, you know. They've gone insane with this shit. So, you know, what's weird about that is that some players, uh, it, they maybe are picked out because of those skills and they make the game better. So I'm not saying it's wrong or anything, but it is different. And I do wonder if a player like Johnny Mack, who I wonder if his, you know, side-by-side metrics would match some of these specialized players today. I still loved his result. I loved his game. You know, back in the eighties and nineties, um, always read that they would all the players after right after practice, right after morning skates, they go out and drink. You know, they would go out for beers. Like it was a whole yeah. different like world. Yeah, man. This it was this more guy. like innate skill than than the training. They did do a lot of training. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but it you well, know they was they now, they ran on elite skill from a young age more than the training. And they, they yeah, I mean they, yes, they they practiced and they they got themselves ready maybe. Three weeks or so before training camp, they would start like getting yes. themselves in shape. Nowadays, three it's six a five job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they have the, the guys like Hughes and stuff. Like they, they, they take a couple days or a week tops, and they, even then yeah. they keep that on the down yeah. low. I'm sure. Now, now this guy I think would not only be a very good player in the league today. I think he would dominate in the league today, and mm. I think he would be talked about in the same vein as Timo Meyer. Okay. And guys of that nature, the power forwards, um, do the voice, and, Dan. Uh, what's that? Do the voice, Dan. Was Dan well, on the voice? Was you're, it you? You're 100 percent right. It is Bobby Holik. And Bobby uh, Holik yeah. Now think about this for a second. When you have a guy the size of Holik, right? Who had, who was not the best skater. He was not the fastest skater, but he had very good hands. Now yeah, you go to a time where now where a guy can sit in front of the fucking net and you can't really do the shit that you used to be able to do to him, right? You can't right. hack him with your two-by-four right. stick across the back of the fucking neck. You can't... Who's moving Bobby Holik? You know I what know. I mean? Like, in this day and age, nope. who's moving Bobby Holik out of the front of the net? Nobody. Nobody. Bobby Holik would have been, I think, a fantastic player. The player who plays uh, most like Holik today, I'd say it might be Kachuk. Kachuk reminds yeah, me a I lot think of Holik. Kachuk is a better. Uh, He's got a little bit more, more skill. He got especially more, more like, yeah, finesse on uh, beating players one on one. 
but that nose yes. from the net and the toughness with it, I think that's he's he kind of reminds me of Holik there. Now he writes here. I'll read this article, this part of the article. He writes: Bobby Holik was an asset for the Devils in all areas of the ice. He did the nasty work behind the net and along the boards, got to the net to finish off plays, and played excellent defense. Holik received Selkie trophies seven times in his career and finished as high as fifth in Selkie voting in 1998. In that same season, Holik finished 20th in heart voting as he received one fifth-place vote. For reference, Steve Eiserman earned two fifth-place votes that year, and Nicholas Lindstrom earned two fourth-place votes and one fifth-place vote. Even as a grinder, Holik was immensely valuable to the New Jersey Devils. And he was, and he was a dude that, like, you saw... Uh, the best thing about Holik was, you know, seeing him in 94-95, right, as this fourth-line the crash line and doing the dirty work and how he just kind of grew and became a much better forward, a much better, more skilled yeah, guy true. and moved up to the point that what he scored, 20, 30-something goals that one year. Yeah. Um, was one of our biggest offensive guys. Uh, this coming from a dude that uh, back in 94 and 95 was a fourth-line guy. He was lucky to get maybe eight, nine minutes of ice time. 100%. Yeah. You know what it made me think of, too, was like, Today's Bobby Holik, as far as like where he ended up on the team, might have been like a Miles Wood. Now, if you look at Miles Wood, uh, he came up and he's got scoring skill, but he's he let's face it, he made up his way up the draft and made it to the NHL because he had size and speed too, you know. But the difference between them, I feel like, whereas, you know, yeah, they both had size and speed. Um, Holik had a continuity of game and like was a much more serious, like uh, quarterbacking kind of player than that maybe like a Miles Wood. Left, weren't you when he went to the Rags? I was like, oh man. Oh yeah, I mean, Holik was such a uh, he was a cerebral player too. You know, like some players are thinkers. Holik mm-hmm. was totally a thinker, and I remember that like in many interviews with him, you'd see like he'd give like. The closest thing to a real, you know, when you get sports answers, a lot of the hockey players, hockey players we love, they just never give you any good like interviews, you know. But Holik, a lot of times would tell you know, like what was going on with the team that was right and wrong, and because he said that because like he saw it, you know, like he was like out there being like a little general. I liked Holik so much, and uh, I don't know, man, it, 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 is he, you know, represented well in the NHL today? Are there a lot of other Holiks out there? I don't think so. I don't think. I, like I said, I would attribute him a little bit more, like you said, Miles Wood. I, I would think a little bit of Timo Meyer in the sense of just that yeah. big, that big forward, that big. Uh, you know, he was a centerman, but um, you know, a guy that can just clear space, had a hell of a shot. Big. I heavy wonder shot. if Timo doesn't play a little more with his heart than his head. That like Holik did. Holik was all head. You notice that? Yes. Uh, and it's not to say that he didn't have heart. He had fight, but he was like at work. You know, yeah. Timo Meyer seems like a little more of an emotional player. Uh, yeah, team. I don't know. We'll like, see. Maybe a cross between like a Claude Lemieux and Bobby Holik kind of style in yeah. a sense. You know, let's hope. Let's hope. You yeah, know, we will get to watch him all year this year. Let's hope that he's all those things. Yeah, he seems to have a lot of passion. I'm excited about seeing him this year. All right, who do you think the last guy is? Oh boy! So the last guy we're not talking oh, from no. any particular era, or is that from a, the ninety? 90- no, no, it's from it's from any any particular. Because I think era all these guys had the '95 team in common, right? It's and and this one, the, this last one, does have the '95 team in common. What, Tony? Elias. He did, he played on the '95 team, but he didn't didn't win a cup that year with them. But yes, yep, you're right. It is Elias. Yeah, um, that's dead on correct. I mean, so smart. Yeah, that's absolutely a great answer there, Elias. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's too many. Um, 
eras of hockey that Patrick Elias couldn't have uh, been uh, successful in. I really don't. I mean, he was just that kind of player. Uh, and and the thing about Elias that I think a lot of people don't realize, maybe it's why he doesn't get all the fanfare that a guy of his caliber should get. Here's a dude that was asked to play a completely different way than what he was really oh, comfortable playing. Absolutely. I mean, here's a dude that you know had he scored to play like defense. with so much like flair, and, like 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 you would think he was Jack Hughes when he started his career in professional right. hockey. When he came to the Devils, you're right. They gave him a, a totally different assignment. Yep, and he did it, and he did it well, and he did it, and he never complained about it. He nope. never said, you know what, my next contract, I'm no, gonna he go took fucking, pride I'm in gonna it. go to, I'm gonna go to Detroit, or I'm gonna go to Tampa, I'm gonna go to no. some place that's just gonna let me light it up. No, he took he pride did. in it. He took pride in being a two-way yeah. player, which you, people don't understand how huge that is when you're talking about a supremely talented player. Like, think about if you ever watch kids' sports, even what happens with the guys who have like the you know the guys or girls on the team out there who have like that natural skill. Usually, they don't work as hard, and usually yeah. they're like, "I can do all the scoring, so I don't have to do that stuff." They kind of have right. that chip on their shoulder. And, you know, for, to be a professional athlete, you have to, like, have come down to reality a little bit. And when it come, came to Eliash, he was not a prima donna at all. He said, I take pride in that game of being a two-way player. And, I mean, that a huge reason the Devils were successful. And Eliash took pride in the jersey, too, because I know we've talked about it a few times with him. When he was doing the whole the contract with Lou... You know, he yeah. was throwing everything to stay with the Devils. I mean, he even, like, yeah, said, very he true. the Ranger thing where the Rangers offered him a contract. And I heard he knew he wasn't going to go there. But he bought it to Lou and said, listen, man, you know, he wanted to be a Devil. Um, like, I, I, I've seen it. Like, I went to some Devils games out here in Europe when he's there. Like, he is kind of like, you know, Marty Brodeur is kind of like that Devil symbol. Well, Eliash is in that same same level. Yeah. Of, you yeah. know, he's kind of a spokesman for the team. Yeah. Yeah. A huge talent. Yeah, he was amazing, wasn't he? I mean, I was and it, last game, you know, he scored a goal with like under a minute left, I believe it was, or it was just perfect. It was like when Jeter got the final hit, you know, it was just and that he was a devil for the entire career. 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 Yep. Turn on. Absolutely. Um, I got a bit of an echo. Uh, well, they, we I I'm curious though. Name one player that you guys think would fit in today's NHL that wasn't on that list. Ooh, okay. All right, this is a tough one. I'm going to say Claude Lemieux right away. Oh, that's a great one, Tone. I think Claude you're 100% Lemieux. right. I mean, it, it, look at this past playoffs. Yeah. In that playoffs, you throw Claude Lemieux on any of those teams that were in the tougher series, it might have gone the other way because he was that impactful in the playoffs. And I, his style of play is what wins cups. Like, he was, he was amazing to be, like, such a playoff specialist like that. Agitator, but just oh, he knew how yeah. to do it to just a level in certain games, you know. Mm. Uh, he, he took it He took it past that a little bit sometimes. Most of those uh, games when he did that, he knew this was a game that, okay, we can, you know, when he punched Lind- Brett Lindros in the face on the bench. I mean, stuff like that he kind of calculated, I think. But he was, I mean, he. I, I felt like he just fit so well, and I think he would fit with the players today. He has that edge. Um, he's a big time player, and he, you know, just claw the mute. It just seems like he can adapt yeah. too. That's a great answer. I think I would choose uh, Scott Stevens. Uh, you know, Scott Stevens is usually what. The, if if you know Devils fans and you're not a Devil fans, you might be like, "Dude, ever shut up about Scott Stevens?" You know, they're like, it seems like an obvious answer from a Devils fan just to be a homer. But let's think about this for a second. I'm not being a homer. But remember, he I, can't hit people like he used to now. 
Well, you know, honestly, that's what I'm trying to say. He he was known as uh, very responsible, but not just responsible. Like beyond that, like you go try to come over the blue line, and Scott Stevens will take your head off. That was not the only way this man could play. So yeah. you know, he came to us much like Elias was asked to change his game up big time, right? Uh, and I think we touched on this a little bit with Driver uh, as a defenseman. It's, you know, like. Some of these defensemen come in as stay-at-home defensemen, and then if they evolve to play a game kind of like Stevens, it's not that big a deal. It, like they've, you know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of what they were. And you look at some of the other types, like Stevens. He was lighting the lamp like crazy. He was leading his teams in scoring, coming up through the, you know, his young career, and he, he cho- totally changed because he bought into a system. Not only that, he became the kingpin of that system. So, I mean, like, he could do that for your team is what I'm saying. Now, they say the NHL has changed. He can't do that anymore. First of all, he has a huge skill set, and there's no reason he can't play uh, as the scoring defenseman and then be responsible in the play. He would be sick in this league because he'd make everybody happy. He only toned it down for the Devils. He wouldn't have to tone it down if the league was like today. Right. I know, mean, there's a guy a that game. he did – he played on the power play for a lot of his career, oh, yeah. not so much with the Devils, but you know he was mostly on the PK. But he, he would produced, tear this league he, up. He any, would tear this any league place up. that you put Scott Stevens, he succeeded. He didn't he only hit people, you know. Like if no, you were just a was, regular NHL around, you know, like you only knew a little bit, you might be like, oh, he just hit people. No, he didn't, dude. Well, he was like I said, for that draft. I thought of his point production too. I'm like, okay, you're going to put him back there. On the yes, I oh, don't yeah. know if I, I if I was to push back against anybody that you guys said so far, I would push back a little bit on Claude Lemieux because I don't yeah. know if Claude Lemieux would be able to do the things that made him successful in so this I, NHL. I see your point, and you know what? If we're going to go that way, it, Holik maybe factors too, because there was a certain amount of clutching and grabbing yes. that was part of his game. But these were very smart players. He, oh, You know what was great about Claude Lemieux? He knew where that line was, and he was yes. only so... He did not get your team hurt with the, the officials. If, you know, like, look, let's look at the beginning of the Devils' playoff run this year. Wood was all over the place trying to play super zealous. He hurt his team with penalties, and he had it benched. Yeah. Claude Lemieux ain't ever going to do that no. to you. And he would get away with shit that might make the media and other teams mad, but he got away with it. And so but I feel like he, he would follow that line. Dan I, had I another hope. guy, too, I wonder about. Well, go ahead. Sorry, Greg. Dan, no, had no, another, go ahead. Dan had another guy on his, t- his defense. I believe you had him, Dan. I believe can actually fit into that. We just talked about him in the article oh. you read. Oh, no, we didn't. Uh, Needlemeyer. I could. Pick, I think Niedermeyer could adapt into the league today. I definitely do. Niedermeyer? Yeah. Oh, totally. He, I, he, think that's a, I think that, that's that goes against. I think that's yeah, a given. I think he can adapt fine. Did, did, was I he think, not on this list? No. Uh, you know what's so funny? I, I, in my mind, when we were talking about you know Driver, I feel like, I, like obviously we're talking about Niedermeyer too, because like well, I think we're talking Niedermeyer is the man. More underrated guys, like a guy like Scott Niedermeyer, Norris Trophy candidate every fucking year if he's in the league right now. Yeah. Brian Leach, you know what I mean? Like those dudes. Maybe in much the same way Stevens then. Uh, you know, what I'm going on about Stevens, I, I probably am not thinking, hey, that's not so underrated. I hope. I mean, who knows the way well, the national media looks at the Devils. Uh, one guy I think of, you go back to look at those teams, who I think would be very, very good in this NHL, is also Jason Arnott. I, I oh, the way yeah. that Arnott played, big centerman, 
uh, you know, very skilled. I loved Jason Arnett when he was with this team, and I think he could very well probably him guys like Alex McGillney, things like Parisi, you know, yeah. who's still in the we'll league. But, you know, these guys are all going to be good no matter what. Um, I liked, uh, but. Like, how much of the changing of the game, like you say, Holik, Lemieux, how it is now, would they have been as, that's interesting, would they have been as... It is. Not, like, I think this, they'd be fantastic players, right. but would they be as productive as far as their roles, right? What they're it's known for. Would they be able question. to do those things? It's a great that's question. That wouldn't make it now. All the guys well, that's, uh, I was just thinking about, Tony. Like, that, that. You know what? Yeah. Th- this is chance. like asking you where that line is because we're, what we're talking about, maybe a guy is there, he's on the line or not. But you know, maybe we're trying to be more polite or whoever's writing this article. There are some that you, like, you notice this guy would never play no, in the not. NHL today. And, like, it's almost like not nice to say it, I guess, but we kind of know who some of those players are. Yeah. They're, your non, they're the guys who really their only job was to fight. We had a bunch yeah. of guys in that era. Yeah. That's yeah. their job was to come in and fight. There are your guys who were your stay-at-home defensemen who could be responsible, but you asked zero goal production for because they would almost never get a point. And that and was a much more loyal time of the end where you had a guy for 10 years. Well, yeah, they, it was just a different character of the, of the team, too. Now, they, the way they grow players and the caliber of defensemen that they use in a game, th- those guys just wouldn't make it. You know, There's a whole bunch I of mean, them. We go to the guy that we all love, that we all still talk about to this day, but I do not think if Ken Danico is 19 years old, I don't think Ken Danico is making it to this NHL. It's and possible. if he does, yeah, but, you if know he does I don't know how successful he's going to be. To play literally Mr. Devil's Advocate here, and I'm totally <laughs> with you, by the way, but, you know, like, to be honest, we're talking about elite athletes who ended up playing, like, the less athletic roles, in a way. The truth is... To get to that level and be one of the least athletic of the active defensemen at NHL, you're pretty friggin' athletic. So my point being, right. somebody like Ken Danico might say, look, I saw opportunity. This game needed a guy to do X, Y, and Z, and I did it. Very similar to way, you know, like Scott Steven changed his game to be with the Devils. Sure. He might have said, I changed my game to be a successful at NHL. If I had to play a different way, I think I could have done it. Maybe, yeah. but there's no way that playing the way he did then is he going to be able to play today. Right. And yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, yes, they are fantastic athletes, and they probably could right. mold. Just their to game take the personal aspect out of this, sure. we're just talking about the style of play they play. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Not. I mean, yes, very well. He was skilled enough that maybe, yeah, he, in this day and age, asked to play a different role. He does it. He does it very well. But uh, just yeah. going off of. His body of work of what we saw him play in the style that he played back then. Which is kind of the opposite that I said with Claude Lemieux. So I was making excuses for him. I get your point then, guys, because, you know, Claude Lemieux, he definitely knew where that line was. And I think today he probably would play it, but he didn't, right? right? Right. The style of play he played was over the line. And if Claude Lemieux couldn't learn, which I highly doubt, he would be in the box the entire you know right. game every game because for the way he plays. But there's no way he wouldn't have changed his game. That's now it's hard. it's some of the it's hard to say that with some of the things that are a little bit more dynamic and athletic. So like we'll never know if Ken Danico could put up you know sixty goals a year, right? It's just never going to know that. I think we kind of know that. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying like it, you know what I'm saying. It's just there's no reason I, to believe he would. Sure. <laughs> what I thought was, I was listening to something with Claude Lemieux, I think it was last year, and he was saying that Jocelyn Lemieux, his brother, was actually a better player than him. Yeah. But he just did better. I mean, that's amazing. He's like, no, he was like much more skilled than me. 
Uh, you know, we had Jocelyn for a little while too. Yes. yes. Uh, yep. And I would have taken Jocelyn. I would have taken Claude. And in no way, shape, or form would I take his fucking son. I'm sorry, but bro, <laughs> Brandon Lemieux. Brandon's is, with uh, Carolina now, I believe. Right? Yeah, and, and I don't understand that pickup. I don't understand why they got him. I don't like Brandon Lemieux. I think he's a cancer in a fucking locker room, wow. and I think that's it's going it's to be an issue. And Carolina just signed D'Angelo. Tony D'Angelo to one year. Um, so I'm guessing they are not in the running for uh, Eric Carlson now, right? Because, I mean, why yeah. would you sign D'Angelo if you're still looking for Carlson? Uh, and Carlson now. over the cap, Chris. I mean, was that? some of these teams are so jacked over the cap. Like, Toronto's over not... $6 million still. And they signed Sam, uh, Samson off to a year. Oh, the Toronto did? Yeah, they picked him up for a year at three. Months. I know that they had they were kind of far away on numbers. I think I heard that like 3. Toronto 5. was offering him like two. He wanted almost five, and then they were going to go to arbitration, so they ended wow. up settling it. I think it was three point five. Yeah, three point five. Yeah. I'm real curious to see what happens with um, Jeremy Swayman and his uh, arbitration, and if uh, that's yeah. even going to go there because I think all the arbitration hearings are this week, right? Yep. Yeah, so I wonder like, what do you think is better for the Devils? He gets like the crappiest contract in this arbitration, so that he's more likely to come to the Devils and come to the Devils affordably, or is that like he gets a I contract that like is, you know, I mean, I mean, is that just like an obvious answer for the Devils or what? I, I mean, I, I if you can get him and afford him, I would say, especially with all this uncertainty about what they're going to do with the Kira Schmidt. I, I mean. I said it on the last show. Jeremy Swayman is the guy. I would love to have Swayman and Schmidt or even Swayman and Vanacek this year. But we have to do something with goaltending at the end of this year either way. So we don't have any, you know, Schmidt and Vanacek are coming into their last years of their contracts. Right. right. What we, direction we, we might, are we going to? When you say we have to do something, we might resign them if the year goes great. It, that's right. one of the possibilities. But it. We're making moves one or the other. We're, we're, we're going into new contracts. One way or another, right. something with goalies at the end of this year. Has yeah, to new be contracts now, for these guys or, or somebody else. You know, Jeremy Swayman's getting under a million dollars a year this year uh, right now with Boston. So if he wants, let's say, $3 million a year, which I think yeah. is a, a fucking bargain, um, and if Boston doesn't want to pay him that or the arbitrator comes in at $2 million and yeah. Jeremy Swayman says, no, I'm not going to take it, then you can sign him maybe, and maybe you can get him for three years, lock him up for a long term, and you can eventually go with a Swayman-Schmid tandem. Yeah. I think that is a recipe to win some cups. How, how much do you think that is likely that he'll get? I, I don't know what he's asking for. I know he was under a million, so I mean, what... Mm. Even if you gave the guy, uh, you know, three million dollars, I think is a it's a huge pay raise for him. I want them and to I call me first. They, I, they should call me first before they pay anyone three million dollars. I'll do it for less. How much? Two and, and a half. Put that out. Two and a half. What? Million. Oh, I'll do it for three two and a half hundred right now. Two and a half hundred. Two and a half hundred. <laughs> yeah. I might. My. my uh, I don't need a lot of money to play in NHL. Just give me a shot. I also say the same thing when I go to the hospitals and talk to the surgeons. I know right. I can do this if you just give me a chance. You know, you know what I mean. Like, catch me if you can. YouTube videos. You can, for my wife yeah, you just have confidence. You, you fake it till you make it. Incision, it. scalpel. You fake it till you make it, and then you I, know. I think you just from trying, I would get good at it. I think you would. I think yeah. you would. First, you I'm just give me the sure. general uh, location of the appendix. I'll do the rest. And you know what? I'm pretty confident. If I feel around, I'm going to get a good feeling about where it is. <laughs> I'll tell you guys, though. It's, it's, it's going to feel life. like something, and I'll be pressing it, and I'll feel like, that must be the appendix right there. If that hurts, I'm just going to take it out. 
I don't know show how much. Show me where it Before I put you out, show me where it hurts. Just point. My wife comes home from a small, you know, she's a pediatrician. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she's a child surgeon. She comes home. Wow. Does it, man? She leaves it all there. I'm like, and sometimes I have to tell her, I'm like, don't tell yeah. me the stories. So I'm I like, think I can do this even more after hearing that because your wife picked you. So if she you. can do surgery, I can do surgery. I'm telling you that right now. I picked you as a friend. She picked you as a husband. And I'm she can do you, surgery. Man. I can do surgery. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Dan knows he's over your mail order bride bride wife. Dan knows he could do the surgery over her. Now, it's Tony to qualify for a mail order bride situation because if he no. did, it's like COD because he arrived at her door. Yeah, exactly. Right? right? She, so she got a mail order. Yeah. Whatever you are, <laughs> that's great, dude. I have to meet her. She must I need be a mail order, order Tony. Awesome. I, yeah, we have to meet. I'm, I'm really excited. So I, I, was telling... I met her. I mean, not that this, but I. She was buying T-shirts from my band. So oh like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like almost like now it's like 18 years ago we became friends, and then now we got little rugrats and stuff. I just picture the pediatrician who's going to operate my kids, and right. the sound coming out of her, her AirPods as she goes towards surgery is your band, <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second, stop. The surgery cannot go on. I'll do it myself. <laughs> I can do it cheaper. Sally, I, I can't blame you for that. But, um, you guys oh, see that sure. Patrice Bergeron retired. Finally, he announced he retired. He did. Oh, wow. Yes. Congrats. Congrats. I didn't know that. I know that they were talking about it, and that is some of the best news ever. Yeah, because um, somebody might make his way uh, into an award situation that he's always been blocked out. Right? Yeah, I think the uh, Selkies from here on out are going to be, uh, yeah, uh, heaters to lose. On same team, right? 19 years with Boston. I mean, I always respect the guy that stays with the same team these days. Yeah. Look, Patrice Bergeron maybe will go down. No, not maybe. Definitely will go down in history. Top three or four Boston Bruins of all time. I mean, oh, it's, wow. he's that fucking great. Um, yeah, he's, I, he really is. But I thought about that. I think now with him gone and with Krejci gone and with every day, Taylor Hall gone and losing mm-hmm. Bertuzzi, losing all the guys that they lost, this team is going to be a fucking shell of itself. And if I'm Jeremy Swayman, I maybe don't want to fucking play in Boston again next year. Here's a question yep. for you, Chris, speaking of Boston. Get a life Do you think that what hurt them was adding the additions? Do you think that if they would have just – they were yeah. flying right through the seasons – do you think altering the chemistry on that team towards the end of that year? Because they made a lot of fucking changes. They still kept winning, though. They won like they I didn't slow down that, winning the whole way to the playoffs. They really yeah. just shit the bet on the playoffs. But maybe you're right. I, I don't know. I think um, I I think maybe that could be it. I think that probably was what I think kind of ended up being Toronto's uh, downfall Absolutely. in the end was Absolutely. too much of the the tweaking and too much fucking around with that. The lineup. they changed their whole team. I mean, yeah, and they did it again this off season. So like, yep. we don't even know what Bruins Rangers. Rangers probably lost by adding. The Same Rangers deal. most definitely lost by adding. I think mm-hmm. if the Rangers don't go out and get Tarasenko and Kane, they're a better team going into yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know what they, they do. So, I actually fear that fact, team more than the one we played. And the fact that you get Tarasenko should have taken you completely out of the uh, conversation for Kane because I mean yeah, you don't need Tarasenko two of the same players and. You know, the Ranger fans are always pissing and moaning about, you know, Lafreniere and Kako and, oh, these young guys aren't what they're supposed to be. Like, they haven't given been given a chance. Like, here's the thing with the Devils, what they, mm-hmm. we've done with our young superstars, our Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer. We threw them out there. 
Like even we might you're going to have some growing pains. We're not going to be very good, but you're going to learn and you're going to learn at the NHL level at the first or second line. You are going to get the lion's share of ice time. You're the future of this team. Rangers right. have never done that with those guys. They've no. always kind of kept them on the bottom six and then they get these Tarasenko, Kane. Like at some point, if you're like the Cacos and the Lafaniers, you're kind of yeah. like, when's it going to be my fucking turn? Because no. I'm, I'm just, been in the league five it. years now. You get an yeah. exit. That's what always yeah. happens with this team. They hardly ever home grow a, a serious star, and that's why. That's why they're calling in old stars. It's like a yeah. self-fulfilling prophecy. You better call in the old star because you never prepped the young star to take over. you just been, and like, keeping in the background. Even when they sent out all, all those fucking emails to all their season ticket holders years ago saying that, you know, we are going through a, a rebuild, that we are going to change this team around. They still, like, the next year, they got Panarin. And they got, like, that's not a rebuild. Yeah, because I think they, all they the people were like, the media was like, alone. this is unacceptable. You know, they get a but, lot of, like, business assholes. Like, this is unacceptable. Uh, this organization has to be better now. And it's yeah. like... You know, maybe you give uh, a great player five years to adjust and then watch what happens instead of, like, just giving him no ice time. And, you know, all the fans, I hear them all the time, like, oh, we got to get rid this. He started out good, but he's, he's like, oh, he's, like, in his third year with your team. Are you going right. to, like, that team develop or what? This guy was develop. a rookie three years ago. What are you doing? But they, they don't, don't do care. that. They're, no. They'll give up and they'll go for the nice, shiny object and they will try and get that. And, and look, they're going to do it again this year. And I just think that yeah. the Rangers are a team now. I will always put them in the realm of, of a competitor because of Igor Sisterkin. He's just that good. Well, that's, um, uh, that's what breaks the mold for this team. And they're, they, for some reason, always have a horseshoe up their ass with goaltenders. Yeah. Uh, and Sisterkin might be the best of them. Yeah, fans, I agree. Really. Their fans have to be a little pissed off, though, a little worried. You look at, I saw a thing the other day, it had like the top 10 uh, players under 25, and the Devils had three of them on there Brat, Heeshear, and Hughes. There was no range. I mean, we, mm-hmm. I mean, they have to be, those fans have to be looking. They could say what they want. I know they always say, oh, this, that, Jack Hughes, man, but they have to be like, shit, this, this Devil team is built for the next eight years. I and feel for Shesterkin, just like I did Lundwig and the, Ludwig, uh, uh, Lundquist and all them, because, like, they, they like, they got so lucky, and it is kind of the easiest thing, all things being equal, to build your team around a goaltender. You get a Hall of Fame goaltender uh, in maybe three eras, and you don't know how to build a team around them at all, ever. Like no. they, they they squander these of any one player you can have that could you know change your franchise's destiny. It's probably the goaltender. They've been lucky there, but yet still can't build a team. Because he's got two years left on his contract, I think, right? So, I mean... Yeah, but you know what? The Rangers will throw so much money at him, he ain't going to go anywhere. But, maybe the Rangers... Maybe we'll see what what matters to him. I don't know, because Lundqvist, he he wanted to stay in New York. He was a New York guy. Is Shesterkin like that? I don't know. I I don't really know about Shesterkin. Is he loving the New York life? And how much does he want to win a cup? That's really what it comes down to. Uh, Yeah. How much do you want to win a cup? Because, I mean... If the Rangers don't win a cup this year, I do think their window gets considerably smaller. And even this year, like, I'm looking, you look at just lineups, and it's like, yeah, can the Rangers skate with the Devils? Yeah, I was thinking. Can they skate with the fucking Buffalo Sabres? Can they skate with the Toronto Maple Leafs? There's a lot of fast teams out there, and they're not one of them. Uh, No, I totally get it. I was thinking about Shesterkin the other day, like, what's going to motivate him more? Because you said, like, how much about it you win a cup. And I was, like, he's a Russian guy. 
So, like, if you're a Russian dude, a lot of these players have been in the past kind of more motivated with money, which might tell you you want to stay with the Rangers. But on the other hand, I know one of his idols is another great Russian, Vasilevsky. He got the cups, too. I think, yeah. I think he made, like, cups a serious thing around Russian goaltenders. I'm not saying they never wanted to win a cup. They always wanted to dominate and be the best. But I think, like, Vasilevsky strung a ton together and is one of the first Russian goaltenders to do that of cups. And I think Shesterkin's probably, like, measured himself against him a little bit. Like, yeah, can I, can I be Vasilevsky of my era, you know? I don't think he could do that with the Rangers. So if he thinks he can't do that with the Rangers, now he might want to go. So we will find out more about him. Yeah, I think next year the offseason is going to be really interesting with some of these guys because, you know, it's no longer a when a guy's contract is up. It's the year before. So yes. all it takes is Igor Sisirkin. It's like Sisirkin. politics now. The election yeah. starts a year early. Exactly. All it takes, all it's going to take is Igor Sisirkin to say, I don't know if I'm going to sign an extension with the New York Rangers after next year, and then forget it. Everyone right. will be like, trade him for this guy, trade him for that, and it'll turn into a whole fucking shit show. But I think... Uh, you know, look, the Devils, I think, right now on paper, not many teams in the Eastern Conference, I think, can touch us. But, yeah, the goaltending thing does worry me. I would love to get our hands on a really good young goalie like Jeremy Swayman. I just think the yeah. idea of Swayman and Schmid over the course of the next maybe four or five years would be a fantastic tandem. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally okay with, like, putting it in a holding pattern if we don't find out we're going to miss out on a, a player who would really fit the bill great and just seeing because I think you know the Devils you're right on paper are such a damn good team that if they gel and adopt a team strategy that involves good defense I think that both of these guys can carry us not just through the regular season I think they can carry us deep into the playoffs to a cup I really like our guys I'm not saying you don't go after them if you get a, be- a better guy on paper but these guys are more than serviceable, so I'm okay with that. I'm not like, look desperately. We got to no. We we've, we've got some. I'm I'm okay with this. You know, I believe uh, Vinicek bounce back. I really do. I mean, Vinicek. Yeah, he's, he's more in the playoffs. He's a big big reason to that last year. I mean, look, you you can't take anything away from what Vinicek did last year. 18 one goal wins. Um, you know, the guy was clutch. He played fantastic for us. Uh, and I I've said it. I don't put the playoffs on one goalie at both goalies neither one of them played really? yeah, uh, up to par um, you know the horseshoe up uh, Schmidt's ass during the Ranger series that was fantastic but it went away in the second series now let me just before we finish up let me just ask you guys uh, would you rather have we'll say that Vanacek is going to be gone after this year so let's just take Vanacek out of the, the uh, equation which Akira he might Schmid. not be, but for the sake of argument, let's do for it. the sake of this this conversation. Right, Akira Schmid is your number one, number two goalie, probably number two. Would you rather five years of Connor Hollebuck at nine million dollars a year for the next five years as your starting goalie, or Jeremy Swayman for three to four million dollars a year for the next five years? Swayman. Who would you rather have? It's five years, either one. Swayman. Dan. Why? Why would I just want to know? Why do you feel that way, Tony? Money related. Okay, so that's that's what I was wondering. I thought that's what you meant. So I just feel like it's I'm unable to answer this question without knowing like the financial needs of the Devils. Not only this year, which I truly don't understand 100 percent, and future years. So you're talking about an extra million or two a year 
is Hellebuck worth three to nine? I think so. No, I mean you're talking. Let's say let's say you gave Swayman four million a year, and Hellebuck yes. wants nine. Okay, so that's so it's an extra twenty five million dollars, but it's another five million dollars a year. What is five million dollars a year? Can you buy with that? You're going to cost yourself an entire good player. Yeah, uh, and that's something a to Tyler think about. Tyler Toffoli esque player, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, so you got to ask yourself: Can I do that? Do I have that kind of depth to absorb that? It's borderline. We have that kind of depth, but it does put you a little bit more all in, right? Because now you have kind of killed your pipeline, yeah. right? You're 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 accelerating everybody's schedule down the pipeline and hoping for the best because you can't afford that other player. You're just going to bring up the guys you own more cheaply. You know what I'm now, saying? Now, what if? If all things being equal, take yeah. the salary away, Hollabuck or Swimming. But I don't think they're going to play unless you pay them, Chris. Let's say that they'll you do it you out of the kindness this. of their hearts. Let's oh, say yeah. they do it for Skittles and foot massages. Oh, now, I don't have to give these foot massages, do I? No, but you do have to get the Skittles. I mean, I'll buy them each a pack of Skittles to get, for the sake of argument, of course. And not the for sour th- ones. They don't like those. Well, then fuck it. I'm, that's it. I put my foot down. Just fucking get the regular Skittles. Don't be an asshole. Just don't get the fucking sour ones. I don't understand why you know this what? is such a problem for you. I'm going to give them Sour Patch Kids, and they're going to like it. <laughs> no, so 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 Hollabuck so or, or Swayman, all things being equal. Yeah, Hellebuck. Yeah, I, I like. I think Hellebuck is a bigger name, and he's the way to go with that. So, but you know, like if Swayman, it lives up to his potential. We might look back and go, "You were wrong," because Swayman's got a bigger. A career ahead of him, not a bigger career. He's got more years ahead of him, so like you know, um, he may end up being the, the when all is said and done the better goaltender. No way to really know, Chris. But right now, if you want to win now over the next five years, I think Hellebuck has shown you more with that. And yeah. you know, don't forget this: neither one of them have won a cup. <laughs> no, obviously. No. So like you know, like all all these moves that were like our guys, we didn't get deep into playoffs. How deep has Hellebuck been? You know, like it's it's something to consider. Uh, I think that Hellebuck is a class of goaltender above our guys, but we're talking about all these guys are really close. Let's see if we get a good team because I look back to the playoffs where it fell apart, and I know I heard what you said about the goaltending. You're not wrong, but I would be more concerned if the rest of the team was just chugging along, playing well, and that those guys took a shit. That's not what happened. That was a different team in front of them. And, and I, I don't know which goaltender out there was going to bail him out. I don't know if Shesterkin bails him out on the, that series. I really don't know. I am very interested to see, because it does look like we are going to go forward with those two dudes, um, unless something changes in the next you know month or two. But it does right. look, as of right now, that those are... I'm very interested to see how they, they work these two guys, because I... I yeah. I want to see Van, I want to see Schmidt be. It's going to be interesting you know, the whole way through We're, to find yeah. out what, what we have for the like, playoffs, especially. Right? That's the like. Let's see Schmidt for a whole year, like yeah, not yeah. this. You know, sent down, back up, all over the fucking place. That's going to be a real disappointment to see him miss out, uh, knowing more about him earlier. You know, like to have him take him off the table because, like, when they took him off the table last year, it was like okay, but then they took him, they brought him back in. So it's one yeah. thing if they are going to go make a call like. Akira Schmidt's going to go back down to Utica. We're riding Blackwood and as as the backup because we know better. And I don't agree with the call, but then they didn't. Then they like, yeah. oh shit, we were wrong. So we were honestly, wrong. for a team Either. that has Marty Brodeur as part of the front office, you know, I'm kind of surprised at how the goaltending was handled. In fact, if I was to knock one thing about this team, 
uh, right now from the management coaching on down, it would really be like how they misread the goalie situation last year. And I you know, agree. I, they they showed so much uh, stick to Blackwood that he wasted time. So what I'm I, instead of beating that dead horse, what I'm just trying to say is I don't want to see them do that again. And I don't know what we're gonna get this year. I know. Are we gonna it's, even it's, have him, having Schmidt, you know, play fifty-fifty of the NHL games? I don't even know. It seems like the one place where we just don't have a clear path yeah. of what direction we are going in. Uh, so that's gonna be kind of interesting. And uh, so, I mean, is there anything else that you guys would like to discuss tonight? Well, you know, Chris is gonna. I know you're a football guy too. I just wanted. To, you're I am a football guy. Yeah. Today, but, uh, you know, the Raiders picked up Marcus Peters. Uh, and uh, actually, they picked up uh, a few guys today, but what's Garoppolo past his physical? So I got to say, man, I'm feeling a little more excited than I was. Jacobs, of course, was a no-show today, but that's expected. I'm hoping that he won. Jacobs is not going to be playing for you this year. Jacobs was, like, I, I, like, real quick, I know I don't want to get too much into it, but first of all, that I'm so fucking tired of hearing everyone in the NFL national media world talking about the devaluation of the running back running position backs, yeah. and how these running backs are not making I haven't, enough money. I haven't heard this is and, a thing. Oh, oh, this yeah. is a thing. So you have Saquon Barkley for the Giants. He was offered, now the Giants offered him, I believe, a three or four million, a three or four year deal at $13 million a year. He didn't take it. That deal then okay. got taken off the table and they wanted to throw the franchise tag on him. Him and Josh Jacobs for the Raiders were both going to get franchise tag. Now, Dan, I don't know. Do you know what a franchise tag is? I'm assuming it's not a good thing. And it, I hope they're depends. not like doing it with like where they tranquilize him and then they put a tag on his ear because that sounds yeah. bad. And then they that set him really off the wall. They send them off into the wild, yeah, and then if they come back around, then, then they know who they are. Talk about dehumanizing your players. And, uh, it's not a good idea. It's a bad so, thing. So what you do with the franchise tag is each team I can see Jerry Jones allowed. doing this with a fucking safari hat on, you know? Right. He, he he, he's the kind of motherfucker tags, who would love that. Tag tag his players. Elliott sends yeah. his ass off into the he's fucking woods. I don't like that. I think it's distasteful. So what the franchise tag is... So each team is allowed to give a player a franchise tag. Now, each okay. position has a different amount on the franchise tag, and it's the, the top 5% of what is made in that position. So if you oh, cool. are a okay. running back and you get franchise tagged, you That's make, neat. and you sign the franchise tag, you'll make $10 million. Now, that money is 100. It has pros and cons. The pro is for You're the player. You're the stock market a little bit. Yeah. Right? The pro is for the player. It's one hundred percent guaranteed. So if that person, I thought you were going to say tax of, free. It's one hundred percent tax not, free. In some states, it is. Maybe. But in uh, so if you blow out your knee in training camp, you get Maybe. that full ten million dollars, no matter what. Now the con mm. is more so towards management because you have to have that entire amount towards your salary cap that year. Mm. So I can't take ten million and, and just move it around and make myself have more salary cap by moving money around. That money has to go towards Who the cap. Who invented this, year. this crazy scheme? It was all part of the collective bargaining agreement uh, that they had done a couple of years so ago. Now, players the players wanted it? Players like it better than owners is what you're telling me? Well I seems to me like really owners are the only ones that really do like this. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so wait, why so do the owners like it again? Tell me. Well, if a guy wants a long-term deal, and let's say yeah. that, so if you are if you're playing for you know the Jets and you want a long-term deal, your contract okay. is up, right? And you want, and they won't, you, know, you can't work out a deal. They can yes. slap a franchise tag on you and make you basically sign that and play for them for five percent of whatever that money is. Oh. So 
Oh, wow. Now, so th- th- this is like you don't get to uh, negotiate anymore. Fuck no, you. There's no negotiating after that. That's you know, and once they, they franchise, they're basically signing this deal with the NFL that if a team pulls its franchise, it's like almost like a card game. I franchise tag you, like flip yeah. that card out. Now and all of a sudden, the rules that used to apply don't apply, and you're basically fucked. And you, as a player, you got to take. There's not a real good upside unless you have if, a great year. Is what you're saying? If you don't sign the franchise tag, you basically right. just don't play, and wow. that's it. You'll you won't get that money. Now, if you sign the isn't tag, that like you collusion? Play. Isn't that like, like, aren't all the teams in the league colluding against... Like, what do you mean you're not going to play? Like, well, you know if mean? you sit out, you just sit out. So you, if you, like, say, like, Josh Jacobs... But they don't have probably, to negotiate. Like, they, like, they're supposed to negotiate to that point. You know what I'm saying? But Chris, didn't Barkley yeah. sign today? One, oh, no. did he sign the... Yeah, the, I think the, he did one year. Yeah, I think he's a... One he year signed time. the franchise tag? Yeah. Um, wow. And, and that's, you know... But Barkley, I felt like he was not being disrespected. I thought the Giants okay. offered him very good money, $13 million a year. He didn't want it. And then he was saying, well, I'm not signing for the $10 million. I'm not going to sign the franchise tag. I come... I, you know, I'm 28% of their fucking offense. He's like... I probably like... Money. I feel like he's like, screw this whole system is what he's doing? Yeah. He's like, like basically saying, I, I dis, I'm not even going to play the game at all. I don't honor the franchise tag. Then he could just sit home and not get paid. But wow. that never works. That never goes good. Well, that's going to hurt him, too. You yeah, know what I mean? He's basically ending his career. So. And, and, and the problem is, like, the franchise tag is a lot like arbitration in hockey. Uh, when it happens, you might get that player for a year, but the relationship is fucking done. Yeah. You know what right, I mean? Like, there's right. no... There is no relationship after this, so I don't um, know. I th- I'll be honest with you. I don't like that for the players. I think that's kind of like bullshit terms for them. You know, like I think it's, it's, it sounds pretty unfair. I'm not like this football guru. I know very little. I didn't even know this existed. I'm just saying, like from a player management point of view, that that is like that's a pretty fucked system. Like talk about not honoring an association. You know. Right, and Barkley just did sign one year for eleven million. So he actually lost a couple of million dollars by not taking the original deal that he had. But he made a million dollars more than the franchise tag. So I don't know, but yeah. the franchise tag does it, it, it's, it's fucked up, and I I don't like it either. But um, there, a how lot often of players, could they do that? How often could the NFL do this? You can only franchise a, one player. I think the most you could franchise a player is twice in their career, and you per can team, only do or? one one player per team. So, like, if and I move to another team, my next team can franchise tag me too? I don't think so. I think it's only in your whole career. Like, it, like, it follows you around. Yeah, yeah. like Kirk Cousins okay. was franchise tagged twice in Washington. I do not think the Vikings can franchise tag him again. You know, but Chris, that could be remember, huge, man. Two contracts? What, Tony? I think when the Raiders franchised Mac, that's when he took off. I think that's when they decided they got into it with him, I believe. I think... Uh, I'm, I kind of have. Yeah, it's never good. Like the players don't like it, and it's the same with arbitration. It just it, it ruins the relationship all the way around. Because you got to prove yeah. why a guy's not worth that much money, and then you got to you know obviously it gets a little insulting. And uh, well, the franchise tag is too. It's like you know if you're a guy who's in, you're not going to give it to schlubs. You're not going to give it to a fucking fourth rounder who and give him five percent of the the max dollars. So it's only that's the thing. The difference it's between to retain and, your top guys, it's, right? It's to retain your top guys, and even if it's just for a year and sometimes like guys right. like Kirk Cousins got franchise tagged twice so, and he was pissed so may, both would times. Some owners and fans tell you, even maybe even fans tell you, look, we like the franchise tags because otherwise these guys as soon as they get hot they're flying out of our city and it sucks. Is that it the idea? Sometimes. Is that who's but like it, liking this this whole scenario? I don't know I don't know what the the 
reasoning behind the entire franchise tag is. Like, I really yeah. don't know what the purpose is. Like, I, I, I almost just, feel like, honestly, it looks like it's a way of screwing some of the players out of money and nothing it more. It kind of seems like And that. I don't like that because, like, the NFL makes crazy money. I know the players, when they look at, like, an average... I mean, I was just joking before. I'll, I'll play the NHL for $250. Um, you know, so the players, they're well compensated. Don't get me wrong. But you still, I mean, what's fair is fair. Like, the owners pull in so much money... And if That's you have a mechanism just to steal money out of your player's pocket when you have more than enough to run the league and then some, it's crazy and, to me. And running backs are pissed off and upset because they're, if you're a top running back, your market value has been depreciated enough to the point that like the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl with the seventh round running back out of Rutgers last year with Ivan Pachekov. He was a seventh round dude. He made yeah. league minimum. Like and that's where any and teams are looking at this and they're saying we don't need an elite fifteen million dollar a year running back. We need a good offensive line and we need a solid serviceable running back. And yeah. we can have him yeah. play for two or three years and then we'll just draft another serviceable running back. And that's and it's not right for running backs. And if my kid was just starting football and said, Dad, I want to be a running back, I'd say, No, running backs don't get paid, be a cornerback. That's crazy. That. It, thinking back, you know, previous decades, that was not the case. Running back was no. a star. Those cell cow running backs are no longer there. Those Eric Dickerson's, those fucking, you know, uh, Bo Marcus Jackson's, Allen, yeah, playing. Marcus Allen dudes that would, you know, get the rock 30, 35 times a fucking game and just crank out yards. They're not. That's not the game anymore. It's style a quarterback, wide receiver yeah. league. Chris, it's uh, all about points. A uh, Shelley that they picked up. They just got a former Viking narrators. Uh, they they brought into camp yesterday. Duke Shelley. Yeah, Duke Shelley. How is so he? Du- Duke Shelley played very well for the Vikings last year. He came off of the Chicago Bears practice squad, mm-hmm. so we basically scooped him up because we had tons of injuries in our defensive backfield. Um, and we got Duke Shelley's extremely undersized. I think he's only five foot five seven, five foot eight. Like but the motherfucker can. He, he's got a lot of heart. Duke Shelley turned out at the end of last year to be a fan favorite in Minnesota. The people, the fans loved him. He was a ton of fun. I actually was hoping that maybe we would sign him, but mm. we have a lot of other DBs and stuff. So he ended up, you guys are going to like him. He plays with a ton of heart. You are going to love Duke Shelley. He's not going to make every play, but he's going to make enough of them that you're going to like him. Cool, cool, cool. So, but on, on that note, I think we're going to, Wrap it up. We'll tie this one off for tonight, and we'll get back. Yeah. We have a lot of stuff that we still want to talk about. I want to talk about the writer's strike and greed um, and stuff yeah. like that. I was trying that to talk about greed. Fun. Yeah. I know, and that's why I was I figured we could <laughs> piggyback it off of the next yeah. show, and we and could Chris, talk what more was about that. Absolutely. You've got to give us some Netflix. I need to find a new show, so I'll have to pick your guys' brains one of these nights. Cause, you know, I, on Netflix? Yeah. Oh, what's just, going on these days I was just Netflix. watching Beef, the show called Beef, which was like, eh. Beef? Huh, yeah. I don't know. So I did. Hmm. I watched a movie the other night on Hulu when I got home. Uh, it's called Prey. P R E Y. It's hmm. uh, a predator movie. Oh, and cool. And I don't know if you guys heard about this. So it's a predator movie set in like the 1700 Cherokee Nation, old America, right? Oh, so cool. it is the guy that directed it is the same dude that did oh shit I can't remember the other movie he did but he did another really good movie anyway I watched it the other night was it Oppenheimer is it a new movie yes it was Oppenheimer mm. Christopher something no yes. I can't re- I think his name was Chris actually in real life but I can't remember the name of the uh, other the director but I was like eh I'm not a big Predator fan but it looked kind of neat I thought it was yeah, check it out it was outstanding 
That's Dude, great. it was such a good freaking movie. The, the directing was fantastic. I loved it. So I wouldn't have guessed. That's that's good. I got to check it out. It's on Hulu. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll check so it out. yeah, a skilled Comanche warrior protects her tribe from a highly evolved alien predator that hunts humans for sports, fighting against wilderness dangerous colonizers and this mysterious creature to keep her people safe. Very good oh, movie. Wow. Da- the director was Dan Trachtenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, he also did he did Hopping a couple on, episodes of Stranger Things. He did uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. I don't know if you guys saw that, that with John Goodman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a really good movie. Yeah. He did that. Um, but yeah, that's what I watch. I'm not watching anything else right All now. All I keep on hearing about is this fucking Barbie movie. What is this shit? I mean, My I don't daughter get... saw it twice. Really? I, Grown men are We have not seen it. No, we're, we're supposed to go do what is known now as Barbenheimer. So yeah. I'm not nearly as cool as that sounds. My family and my kids want to do this. And I said, sure. Now, I was probably going to see Oppenheimer anyway. You know, I do watch most Christopher Nolan movies. Some of them kind of annoy me, but some of them are pretty good, actually. And, um, you know, Barbie I knew nothing about, but it has now, as everybody knows, become a thing that these movies are tied together because I guess people think it's kind of funny because one is allegedly super serious and the other one's about atomic warfare. And so, and everybody's been doing that same stupid joke or some version of it. I, I do Barbie want to see Oppenheimer. Yeah, my, exactly. Like I said, my daughter Excellent. went to... My daughter did Barbie twice and absolutely fucking loved it. And, yeah, so... Now, Oppenheimer, I saw this thing. He shot on, like, this big film, 70 millimeter or whatever. Right. And if you really want to see it the way it's shot, you got to go to IMAX, but IMAX. not even a normal IMAX. you got to go to a special IMAX. Like a planetarium IMAX. That'll show you a 70 millimeter, like, aspect ratio, which is, like, almost right. square or some shit. Whatever he, whatever he shot it on. I saw, like, a video of, like, the, the reels of film. It was, like massive and shit I'm always a sucker for that kind of shit I like to want to see that and I would I like love that. to see Oppenheimer at the IMAX yeah I it. excellent I mean, I we gotta find it. the right IMAX though I do like I remember seeing Hateful Eight in uh, the theater that would show you the the film cut version of it versus right. the one you get on DVD and like I sought that out and I'm like this is beautiful and I, sometimes I wonder if I just fool myself because you're in there now looking for like okay does this look better and now you start right. noticing, like, oh, this is great. This looks great. And just because you're being, a, you know, like, uh, very picky about it, you know? Tonight I am watching, uh, after dinner, I'm going to watch uh, Licorice Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> I haven't seen Licorice Pizza Oh, yet. dude, and love that. Gonna, love that. I'm yeah. going to check it out. Licorice it's, uh, Pizza. It's a P.T. Anderson movie. Um, mm-hmm. That was pretty it, cool. Yeah, Philip Seymour I, I, Hoffman's kid is in that. Did you know that? really? No, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I I've been wanting to see it, but I haven't well, I haven't checked it out. And I saw anybody who knows great movies like Twister and others knows Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? Now, of course, he did a lot of P.T. Anderson movies like Boogie Nights and stuff. Sure, he was in a lot of movies, and anybody does know he's he's been gone for a while. He, he he passed away. I don't know how many years ago, but I was yeah. shocked when I watched Liquor's Pizza. Look out, you'll see like, holy shit, that kid looks like his father too. I'm gonna he kind of it's it's a, such a good movie. Unknown cast, I really liked it a lot. The principal girl, her whole family is her real family. And oh, really? It's, yes, it's very cool. They're all like unknown, whatever you know. And uh, of course, you know Bradley Cooper's there, and he's got a great role. Uh, he's not an unknown, of course, but uh, I liked it a lot. Tell me what you think of it. I will. I will. I, I, I gotta check this out now. Yeah, yeah we can talk cool. about it on the next show. But um, guys, cool. check us out YouTube channel, uh, anywhere you get podcasts. Check us out, Twitter account. Check out the teams. Let us know who drafted the best team. Whose team sucks balls? We want to know these things. <laughs> um, 
leave us, drop us a line, uh, anything that you want to talk about in the off season, hockey related, devil related, movie related, doesn't matter. We are all just kind of just trudging along until the road for four starts and we can go and get our fourth Stanley Cup starting in October. So, uh, guys, we are the Uncle Puckers. For Bobby, who's not here, Tony, Dan, I'm Chris. Thank you guys so much for checking us out, and we'll see you when we see you. Puckers out. It's Taco Tuesday. I mean, my hope. Everything is awful. It's over, Johnny. It's over. Fire.